Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 983, my interview with Dr. Jennifer Ashton discussing her book, The New Normal. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Dr. Jennifer Ashton, to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. No, it's uh, my pleasure, my pleasure. It's uh, morning time here. Where are you based? Oh, I'm in New York City. New it's, York. it's afternoon. Um and it is a nice, bright, sunny day here. Luckily, oh, finally. So mood is mood is improving. Mood is improving. Yeah, it's been quite challenging over there, from what I hear. Yeah, it sure has. Um, you know, in in various parts of the world, obviously, it's, yeah. it's been challenging. But yeah, definitely here as well. Okay, and is that what's because you've got a new book out, which I think we'll discuss today on the show, "The New Normal: A Roadmap to Resilience in the Pandemic Era." Um, is that what prompted you to write the book or has this been something that you've, you know, been thinking about for a bit longer anyway? Because I guess well, this whole idea about resilience, this can be adaptable yeah. to anything because it's about dealing with adversity. Exactly. Um, and I, I have been interested in resilience for a while, uh, just as an individual, but also as a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, in my, in my professional role as uh, chief medical correspondent for ABC news, which is the largest network in, in the United States, um, I was kind of thrust full time into this pandemic um, when it started in 2020. And I realized in covering this for millions and millions of people that um, there was a real need for a deeper dive into not just information, because as we all know, that can change day by day as we learn more. But how to interpret the information. Um, so kind of how to go beyond the headline, if you will. Yeah. And um, and not just for ourselves, but for our families or in the workplace or our personal lives. And um, so I kind of just knew that there was a lot more to discuss than I was able to discuss in the, you know, little short news segments that we do on TV. Yeah, sure. Um, and I guess that's been yeah very very timely and, and needing as well for a lot of the population out there. Yeah, definitely. So you've um you've got a lot on your plate. What's your background? Obviously, you're a doctor. Are you a practicing doctor still? Yeah, I am. You know, I like to say I'm not just a doctor on TV. Um, I still have a, a private medical practice. So I'm my medical credentials are in women's health in OBGYN and what. A lot of people don't know is that when we go to medical school and we go through our training after medical school, um, you know, we we have to learn the entire body. We have to learn every specialty. Um, and then, of course, we specialize in medicine. And for women, um, OBGYNs are... What is OBGYN? It's obstetrics and gynecology. Right. So um, that is literally the primary care physician for women. So we deal with everything from diabetes to depression, um, infectious diseases, psychiatry, menopause, pregnancy, surgery. We're, we're surgeons. Um, and, you know, it, it really is the, the total medical care of, of a woman across her lifetime. So hmm. um, that's my medical background. But in my in my capacity as chief medical correspondent for ABC News, you know, my job is to take any medical headline and decipher it in, um, I guess you could call it television friendly terms 
so that uh, a lay audience can understand it and do that in maybe 120 seconds on live national television. So I've been doing that for quite some time, um, but certainly nothing could have prepared me for uh, what we've all been living through in the last year and three months. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's a quite a quite an amazing role there. You must have have um, some some deep skills there to be able to to balance all that out because the knowledge of OBGYN and the the multifaceted um, array of health information that you must be across. How do you keep up with trends and research and all that sort of stuff? Plus, do everything else in your life. That's one of the things that I love about my job is that uh, I learn and relearn every single day, which is unique because yeah. most of the time when doctors come out of medical school, they, um, they're, uh, unfortunately, a lot of their learning, at least on a formal level, stops, you know? And, um, and so because of what I do for ABC News, uh, it, it enables me to stay current with, uh, you know, the latest research and advances and story that's in the news and, I speak to relevant experts if, if it's something that I, you know, need to cover, that I, I need more information on. And it's really fantastic for geeks, science geeks like myself, because, mm. you know, I'm learning every single day. The uh, spice of life, hey, learning? Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you schedule it in? Like, do you have a routine where, like, you know, in the morning after your coffee, you just sit there and, and do a half an hour of research? Does it form part of your schedule? No, you know what? It, it would that sounds like such a luxury. I would love to do that, but um, the reality is in in news is that these things happen um, at unplanned, unscheduled times. So it doesn't allow me to say, okay, you know, this is my learning hour now. Um, you know, I have to take it whenever it comes across the wires, so to speak, right. and do the deep dive and you know look into it then. So. I have generally, I would say, 15-hour workdays for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. So pretty crazy, and it certainly has been even more intense over the last year. You must love what you do if you're working 15 hours a day and still yeah. seemingly chirpy about it. I absolutely do love what I do. So um, as the saying goes, you know, if find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life, and um, yeah. don't wrong i am tired <laughs> but i do i i really do love what i do so it, it works out what do you do to to self-care like do you have a routine that's in place daily that that helps keep you on track and keeps you well you know i do and um i have to admit that over the last year it has slipped a little bit um which is not good but i'm i've I would say I'm about 50 to 75% back on track where that's concerned. But um, I, I really kind of look at it as three parts in terms of my wellness routine. You know, one is that uh, exercise and fitness is very, very important to me. Yeah. Um, before the pandemic, I would work out five days a week. Now in pandemic times, I would say it's it's dropped to three to four, generally four. Um and, you know, below that, I really, I, I can't sustain what I do. You know, if I'm not doing something physically active, I, I don't feel well mentally or physically. Um, the other thing is I do not negotiate or skimp on sleep. 
Um, so I get at least seven hours, you know, a night and I try to get even more. Um, and that's always kind of been, I think my secret weapon. Um, and then, you know, nutrition, I, I got a degree in nutrition five years ago and nutrition is really, really important to me. So, um, I think the combination of those three things, um, is enables me to stay you know, healthy. <laughs> well, let's talk about those things before. I want to. I want to delve into your book, but those three things came up when I was doing a bit of research on you. You know, looking after your your body, uh, uh-huh. both mentally and physically. Um, obviously, with the nutrition side of things and your diet as well. Um, but then sleep, very importantly as well. So, how do you fit in exercise? I mean, you sound like you have a very spasmatic sort of schedule. What do you do? You have a routine where you wake up and do exercise straight away, or does it fall into your nightly routine? No, you know, unfortunately, um, I have a show called uh, GMA3, What You Need to Know, and um, that is part of Good Morning America at ABC News. So uh, that's five days a week, and that's that means my mornings. My mornings generally uh, start at 5 a.m. or 5.30 is when I'm up, and um, it is very rare that I'm, you know, don't have to be at the studio by 8, so... Um, unfortunately that precludes any morning workout, which so you'd would... wake up at what, five o'clock, five thirty, and head straight to the office for an eight, um, eight no, o'clock shoot know, or I, I usually wake up at five or five thirty. I spend an hour, um, reading some articles, you know, not, not just, you know, f- necessarily for fun, but articles that I'll be discussing on TV that day. Um, you okay, know, there you go. There's a bit of research time. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, of course, sometimes they'll, they'll have been breaking news that occurs overnight somewhere else in the world. And so, um, when I get up, you know, that kind of adds a little bit of time pressure, uh, sometimes to the morning. And then by, you know, eight o'clock, I'm on my way to the studio, uh, in Manhattan here in New York city. And, we finished taping the show around 10:45, and then when I'm back at my apartment, I'm either heading two days a week to my medical office to see real patients, or um, I have a slew of other ABC interviews to do. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of relegated my workouts to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday when I'm usually have the afternoons free. Um, or an occasional one night a week where I'll try to get a, you know, early evening workout in, um, I can. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of sporadic. So you fit it in when you, when you can, but yeah, you've got some, some level of routine around that. And and with diet always on the run, um, I mean, how do you maintain that? And what sort of, I guess this is a multifaceted sort of question, but what sort of diet do you recommend? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I, in my book, The New Normal, I talk about at the end some of the possible silver linings in this pandemic, regardless mm. of where people are in the world. And one of them um, I actually experienced firsthand, which is um, which which happened ironically when I had to quarantine for the third time mm. <laughs> after having been exposed to someone at work who had COVID-19. And this was even after I had been vaccinated. So I was so incredibly frustrated that I had to quarantine. Um, 
after having been vaccinated, but it was my company policy. Um, so I didn't have a choice. And I don't know, have you had to quarantine at all in the last year? No, we've been quite fortunate here in Australia. And I know there's states here that have been in lockdowns and, and people have had quarantines, but our numbers are just nothing like what you guys have experienced from what I can oh, read. You're so lucky because it's it's mentally and physically quite difficult. And mm. I, was, I was so frustrated when I had to do it for the third time that I, I decided, uh, and I kind of decided this with my kids who are 21 and 22, um, that I would use that 10 day quarantine to do a little experiment. I, yeah, I'm always looking to do, um, I call them experiments in self. And so I, I experimented with switching to a completely plant-based diet. Hmm. Um, and I did that in February and I loved it so much that it stuck and I have not gone back. Um, so, you know, in general, February this year or February last year, February of 2021, actually. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it was really interesting. And, um, I, I lost 10 pounds, which wasn't really my goal, but probably five of that I, I needed to lose, um, from the pandemic. And, um, my, my LDL cholesterol went from 111 to 80 in, in a period of three weeks. So it was really interesting. And, you know, in general, whether people eat completely plant-based or partially plant-based, you know, I generally recommend, um, a diet that's just lean protein, fruits and vegetables, real foods, you know, not processed foods, um, mm. really kind of minimal added sugar, which, you know, just clean, clean eating. How do you explain that for, you know, um, people that you work with because when you start talking diet it can become so complicated but I think you've just said it quite well you know just anything out of a packet don't eat just eat you know natural it, foods fruit and vegetables yeah. and a little bit of protein a bit of meat here and there if you if you yeah. choose to eat meat and that's kind of how I explain it to them and mm. um, you know most people actually don't find that that difficult but I think what's hard is that you know our taste buds and our brain hormones that really are responsible for driving our hunger and satiety signals uh, can can make it really difficult for people to change the way they're eating. Hmm. And, you know, while it can be done, it, it can be challenging and it can take time. Yeah, yeah, true. I guess it's like any, it's not a habit, but it can be addiction as well, maybe, because you're really setting off those reward centers, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. That's the key is that those reward centers, you know, so people who say I have a sweet tooth or I have a salt, you know, craving and I, I eat a whole bag of chips or a whole basket of tortilla chips, that's that's real. You know, that's not kind of like a, a fake fluffy thing. And it can be hard to override that, but it can be done. Um, it's it just it takes a lot. How do you go about overriding that? Is that just with a bit of willpower and self-discipline, do you think, and, and time? Or do you is, is it easier by just um, actually starting to realize that, hang on, I can eat a, a banana and enjoy it just as much as a bag of Doritos? Well, listen, I think when you look at the literature and nutritional science, um, unfortunately, a lot of the science is based on surveys and questionnaires, which, as you can understand and imagine, is not the most rigorous, rigorous of scientific mm. methods. Um, but I think what we do know 
based partially on those kind of questionnaires and partially on animal studies, um, which gives us a good indication of what human beings are like, is that it's a combination. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's a it's focus and discipline and, um, you know, kind of our mental frontal lobe control. But it's more than that. It's, you know, environmental issues. It's genetic issues. It's hormonal issues, uh, situational issues. Mm. And, um, you know, I also think when you talk about people who are in a setting where a lot of other people are struggling with their weight, then it's very socially difficult to say, well, I'm going to be the only one here who's going to be eating a colorful plate of fruit and vegetables when everyone else is eating another way. So I think it's a complex problem. And so it's not just one answer. So I guess when you're sitting down with someone, you really have to understand their unique situation and then prescribe from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's my motto in medicine in general is it's not one size fits all. And I think, like you said, you you go out there and experiment. I really love that, and it's certainly something that I I try to do myself. And I think that's what you need to do with diet. You really need to go out there and do your own research and have your own experiments and find what feels right to you. Because you'll know when you start to feel healthy and when you're not. And um, oh. you know, I've tried all the diets as well and um, continue to do so. Really, um, and I know what's what's right, but I still have difficulty with some areas where I just can't, not can't, but I I, I don't give up as easy, you know? Yeah, I think that curiosity for yourself and um, trying different things in terms of our health and wellness rituals and behaviors is not only important, I think it's fun um, and I think it's interesting. And even if we don't learn something that has a positive effect, learning something that has a negative effect is still valuable information. Mm, absolutely. Um, so I, I would encourage people to do that. And I think you know, I'm a, a great poster child for that with what I did with this plant-based eating approach, um, which, by the way, even though I have a degree in nutrition, if you would ask me a year ago if I could see myself doing that, I would have said absolutely not, no way. <laughs> yeah, it um, seems to be a lot more um, popular, I suppose, at the moment. And, and I think that trend will continue with plant-based diets. Yes, exactly. Because the, the research seems to stuck up. I mean, what's your research since you've been doing it? I might, you, you may have delved into some research before you started doing it, but oh, the research no. really the seems pe- to support the plant-based it, diet. Absolutely, it does. And, you know, it's been shown to have uh, significantly lower rates of cardiovascular disease, dementia, cognitive decline, all types of cancer, um, you know, and that in general tends to be independent of a person's weight, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um not everyone will lose weight on a plant-based diet. As I like to say, you know, it's not only about the number on the scale. It's also actually about what um, those foods are doing to the inside of our bodies. And, you know, we do have a lot of, a lot of evidence and data that supports that that is the healthiest way to eat, you know, and I have to tell you that I didn't really learn about plant-based eating when I got my master's in nutrition from Columbia University. I learned about it from watching documentaries um, about that type of style of eating that taught me a lot of, you know, just evolutionary history, how, you know, obviously our teeth have evolved since caveman times, but, you know, we didn't, we don't have 
incisor teeth that are designed to shred animal protein. Dogs, but we do not. Lions do, but we do not. We don't have a GI tract that's designed to metabolize animal protein. We have uh, teeth and and GI tract that's designed to metabolize plants Hmm. where there can be quite a lot of protein. It's just that we're not used to getting it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? And um, I think it's just, it's one of those things you've got to be curious yourself. I mean, to have someone out there who's a meat eater, and I love eating meat myself, um, but, you know, you really have to have that own curiosity. You can't convert someone otherwise. Well, exactly. And I'll tell you something. Um, That's part of the reason why when I did this experiment for myself, and I, I, as I said, I only did it for the 10 days that I was on quarantine. And then I felt so good that I continued it. But listen, I loved um, all types of meat, by the way, (laughs) all types, chicken, pork, turkey, beef, um, eggs, I would eat almost every day, I happen to have chickens at my farm. Um, you know, dairy, I love cheese, all fish, all of those things I avoided for this time of this experiment. And the only thing that I've gone back to willingly eat for the time being, at least, um, you know, if I'm out at a restaurant or ordering in or something like that is fish, everything else. I've continued to avoid. And I loved the taste of these things. And I never had a problem with my weight. I never really had a problem with my cholesterol. Um, So again, this was independent from the number on the scale. This was just about really an intellectual curiosity about whether or not I could live this type of lifestyle and not be miserable. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything that you really struggled with, like missing out on or? No. There really wasn't, which is really, really surprising. Now, if you told me I couldn't drink Blanco tequila, um, I would I would revolt and rebel. But um, there's really nothing that I long for in terms of my diet. That's not to say, again, that I didn't love eating these things, but um, I, I really just do not miss them. And as I've been on this kind of journey since February 6th, 2021, um, subsequently I've learned again, the impact, the positive impact on the environment and climate change that someone who just, and it doesn't have to be all or none, but someone who does eat more of a plant-based style than animal protein can have. And so I've learned a lot during the process. Definitely. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. Um, and diet with your lifestyle and schedule is there, I mean, have you found that challenging or do you just you know, buy fruit and veg and have the fridge loaded so you can eat when you need to eat. No, my, it's super challenging. Um, and if you actually saw my refrigerator right now, it's pretty horrifying. There's, it's pretty empty. (laughs) Um, I, I'm so busy that, um, you know, I, I oftentimes, unless I'm really organized and I know I'm going to be in one place for a while, um, it's kind of last minute. Um, but, you know, I do the best I can. So you eat on the run often? Um, I eat on the run or I'll order something if I'm at work. Um, you know, what What I find easiest is if I, especially now that I'm plant-based, you know, I have some 
steel cut oats and uh, hemp seeds. And I just mix that with water in the morning. And that's kind of my quote unquote little breakfast. And then I have a lot of vegan uh, frozen burritos and things like that, that I keep in the freezer that, you know, I just heat up, you know, if I'm, if I'm around last minute and lunch, I usually try to do out somewhere, you know, by ordering in and supporting a local restaurant. Yeah. That's good. I had another question there for you, but it slipped my mind. Um, now, diet, uh, very much linked to sleep, and you, you touched on sleep there. You know, you try to get seven hours of sleep a night. Um, and I know personally that, you know, if I'm not well rested, certainly my cravings change as well. But okay. what are your thoughts on sleep? I mean, it's a big topic at the moment. Um, I think it's Dr. Is it Sam Walker? Yes. Matthew, Matthew yes. Walker? Yep, Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker, right. you know his book is phenomenal. Um, what, what, yeah? What's your take? Give us your, give us your rundown. Oh, yeah, you know, I think that sleep has a massive PR problem because we look at it like it's a luxury, and um, literally every single person I speak to, um, you know, has kind of in effect by default put it last on their priority list. Um, and it should be first, in my medical opinion. Um, you know, they'll they'll say, well, I I'm just so busy, I I can't get done all the things I need to do. And to that, I'll say, well, if you got more sleep, you would actually be more efficient during mm. the day, mm. and so you would get the things done you need to do. And by the way, if you don't, they'll probably still be there the next day. Um, so I, I do not compromise my sleep routine for anyone or anything unless it is literally, you know, my job at stake or something to that effect. Um, and I really, really believe that it has made me able to do what I do in my career. Um, and I believe that it's kept me healthy and fit and relatively young appearing. <laughs> and um, I, I just do not think that that would be the case if I um, didn't prioritize my sleep. No. So what, what do you do about prioritizing your sleep? Do you have a set bedtime and a set wake up time? Yeah, you know, studies have shown that the it's called our sleep hygiene is incredibly important. And I in my last book, The Self Care Solution, I I have a whole chapter on sleep challenge where people actually track their sleep using their smartphone or a wearable device um, and and see how they feel with even, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes more sleep a night. And, um, you know, I did this experiment myself in 2018, and I was pretty surprised that even getting a little more and I was still getting the normal amount did make a difference. Um, but the way I do it is, you know, I, I know what time I have to wake up the next morning and I back up the clock at least seven hours from that time. And when I get to that time, that's it. You know, I go to sleep period. Um, and you know, that's something that I, I just feel that, um, I would not be able to do what I do which is physically and intellectually demanding work mm. if I didn't get sufficient sleep. Yeah. Do you find it challenging? I mean, it sounds like you sleep really well. And uh, Yeah, you know, I am, thank goodness, I'm a pretty good sleeper. I always have been, um, fortunately. Yeah. Um, 
So, but, but I know that that's not the case for a lot of people. I certainly have a lot of patients uh, for whom getting good sleep is a real challenge. Um, but I do believe that it's achievable. It's just that, you know, most people don't bump it up to their priority list. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly struggle sleeping longer than sort of six hours and I'd like to sleep more, but I seem to wake up. And um, once I wake up, it's hard to shut the mind down. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. Do you meditate or do anything like that to help with your sleep? Meditate. Um, you know, I, I literally, um, that's something that in the last couple of months I've been out of practice with, but um, there have been many times in, in the last six years that I've mm. been in practice. I, I practice transcendental meditation, so it's just 20 minutes. Okay. It's sweet time, which I like about. Um, I like about that particular method, but any mindfulness, you know, I believe is really helpful and, yeah. you know, good data that supports its benefits. And as I always try to tell people, and I go through this in all my books, pretty much, you know, you have to weigh risk versus benefit. And what's the risk of meditating? You're going to lose 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day. Um, the benefits are huge. So when you look at it like that, I think it's kind of an easy decision to incorporate it into your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, it's a good way to look at things, isn't it? Yeah. So let's talk the new normal. Yes. Is it is this the new normal, this this adversity that we continually deal with, or is it going to settle down, do you think, with the vaccines uh, and things rolling out? I think, I do think that it will settle down. Um, you know, I, I picked that title for my book um, kind of in – to make a, a, a pun on words, because I, I yeah. do think it's oxymoron. You know, there's, first of all, it's not new anymore because we've been dealing with this f since the beginning of 2020 yeah. and nothing normal about it, <laughs> right? I mean, what's going on in the world is absolutely not normal, um, but we can't live our life in reverse. So I think where we settle out after, at what, as we come out of this or evolve into a different normal, will look and feel different in some ways. Um, hopefully some of the things will get back, but some of the things might be different and that doesn't mean worse. It just means different. Hmm. Yeah. It's hard to imagine it sort of staying like this, but you can already see signs of certain things that are just sticking, um, which makes some people right. uncomfortable. They're not difficult necessary. And I, I wouldn't certainly describe them as causing me a lot of stress and, adversity upsetting me but i guess in your field you've probably seen um what the pandemic has caused in people's lives can you describe that for us oh gosh i mean i well first of all i know um many people who have died of covid19 um you know um i have patients many patients who lost both parents to this virus hmm. um I, I know people personally who have died of it. My brother, who's also a physician, had it. Thank goodness, uh, not a severe case. Um, so, you know, I've seen the medical effects, but I've seen the financial effects and economic effects on people's businesses and their lives, socially, the isolation, um, you know, the, the mental kind of effects of being isolated and working from home when you know, it seems like that would be heaven, right? And so convenient, but it turns out that it revealed that we're really social creatures and we need and want and crave that kind of in-person interaction and that can't come from a screen. So, mm. um, 
yeah, I think there have been a lot of profound effects. Yeah, for sure. It's one thing that I admire, you know, being able to work from home. Um, but I, I do interact with a lot of people in my, my profession anyway. Um, so mm -hmm. that gives me that social aspect. But for those people that don't have that, um, you'd really need to find those outlets, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I, you know, think about it. We've never been in this situation before. Hmm. So, you know, it was, it was all one big experiment of, you know, can we work from home? Do we like to work from home? Um, are we as productive when we work from home? How does juggling family um, responsibilities work? Different age groups have different kind of reactions to um, sheltering in place or not traveling or not going into the office or school. Um, you know, it, it's been it, it's been very, very widespread hmm. and profound on many levels, I think. Yeah. How do you find, I mean, with the adversity that, that we do face and adversities, you know, in life generally, I guess it's, how do you describe adversity? Is it, is it the shakeup of routine or the uncertainty that we face? Well, I, I think that's definitely part of it. I think, you know, human beings, um, aside from being social creatures and craving human contact, um, we also like routines and predictability and, um, mm. you know, the familiar. That's a, that's a psychological drive that we have. Yeah. So, that gets disrupted, it can be unsettling uh, on a number of levels. And I think, um, you know, it's just a matter of how quickly someone can recover from that, uh, but also how long that uncertainty lasts and how profound it is. You know, a little uncertainty might be manageable, but a lot of uncertainty that lasts for a really long time might be much harder to manage. Yeah. So is there practices that we do to help us deal with these situations that when they arrive? Uh, and I guess, is there practices that help us deal with adversity when they're already here? Well, I guess, you know, what you're talking about is how can we foster resilience? Mm. And I talk about that in the new normal in my book. Yeah. Um, you know, it was something that I learned years ago, about maybe six years ago, when I read a, a book by a woman named Judith Roden called The Resilience Dividend. And in that book, she talks about how companies and countries and cities can foster or develop resilience. But I was fascinated by whether or not that could be extrapolated to the individual. And I, and I do believe it can. Um, but I think part of that involves um, being adaptable and flexible and being able to kind of roll with the punches, which definitely um, was necessary in the United States during the last year. Um, but also, I think it involves being in a position, whatever the environment, whether it's at work or at home or in uh, your social life or anything, where you can fail safely, meaning, you know, you can try something and if it doesn't work, then as the saying goes, you fail safely and you fail quickly and you move on uh, and you mm. learn from that mistake. And I think every time that happens, you get a little bit more resilient. So that's, that's the, the, I suppose, the training of becoming more resilient, yeah? Yeah, I think that it's something that, look, there are some certainly some people who are born with a degree of resilience, but I mm. believe a lot can be cultivated and learned yeah. and putting ourselves in those situations that help us, you know, build up Absolutely. that strength, I suppose. Yes. At 100%. Like the Stoics talk about, you know, um, 
uh, practicing poverty, putting yourself <gasps> in situations where you have That's nothing. Right. That's right. Exactly. And so when that time comes, it won't be so um, devastating. That's right. So what, what do we do in the moment of the adversity? We're all dealing with this pandemic now and, you know, how do we, how do we push through and, and create that resilience now just through this experience? We're going to be more resilient. I mean, the human population, I think, is, is very resilient generally. We always seem to bounce back and progress despite what happens. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think the same. I think we are incredibly resilient as well. Um, I think that the the way that we do this is by being kind and patient and understanding with ourselves and with each other and yeah. recognizing when we've been through something that's major um, and that we've come out on the other side. Um, you know, literally the, our, our self-talk, our self-dialogue with what we've just been through, that we're still standing, what we've learned from it. Um, hopefully we won't make the same mistakes again in the future, um, whether that's as individuals or as countries. Um, and then I think the, the other way that people can, you know, tap into their resilience is, and I talk about this in the book as well, I, I call it, kind of call it the attitude of gratitude, which is, you know, everyone has been through something traumatic mm -hmm. in the last year, but you know, think about the things that we do still have. And that yeah. does not, that doesn't negate the loss if, if there's been a loss at all. Um, but it's this concept that psychologists call multiple truths. You know, you could have been through a major loss or a minor loss, but you still have A, B, and C reason to be grateful. Um, and I think, I, you know, I've done that myself, and I think that it's very, very helpful in developing resilience. Mm, yeah, really good point. And I think that's, you know, when, you, when you're kicking yourself and you're feeling down, sometimes it's good to go back and focus on what you're grateful for and what you do have um, because that, right. can, that can be a really good pickup. Look, um, yeah, really exciting. You've got a lot of, um, yeah, work behind you. You've got a number of different books out. Um, yeah, multifaceted. Really interesting stuff. The New Normal, it's on Amazon. Um, I'll stick a link in the show notes as well. But if people want to reach out to you, Dr. Jen, what, what do they do? Oh, uh, you know, Instagram is the social platform I, I yeah. use uh, every day. It's at DRJ Ashton, and I run that myself. I don't have anyone running it for me. <laughs> um, and I think that it's a, I, I love connecting with people all over the world. And that's the way I do it. Um, but of course, they can also find me on ABC news platforms and Instagram posts and our show GMA3, What You Need to Know. Um, they can follow that on Instagram as well. And okay. um, I'm dying to get to your neck of the woods someday soon. I'm really, really, it's high up on my list. Might see you down under then. Thank you. <laughs> it's been great to have you. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Guys, check it out, thehiddenwire.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. 
Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwire.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee martin Utsi. until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon